How's it going, everybody? Thanks for tuning in to another episode of the Hunting Public Podcast, powered by Dakota Lithium. This podcast was recorded live on our new podcast channel. So if you haven't checked out that new podcast YouTube channel that we started, you can check the description of this podcast. You can find a link, and that will take you to the new videos that we've been posting. And this evening, we're actually going to be doing a live podcast. So I think I'm going to be behind the scenes on that one. I'm still at home recovering from this knee surgery, and that's why I haven't been posting these audio podcasts very often here in the last few weeks. But I'm going to be posting these live podcasts that we've already done kind of back to back here. That way we can get caught up and here in a couple of weeks, we'll be able to just go to two podcasts a week, one on Tuesday that will go on audio platforms and on the YouTube channel as well in video form. And then we'll also have one on Thursdays that will be recorded live on our YouTube podcast channel. If you're listening to this and you have time tonight, love to have you join us for the live recording tonight. We'll be talking about what's going on with those guys on the turkey tour and answering questions and that's what we're going to be doing in this episode as well in the conversation they're not only going to be talking about what is happening in the hunt but they're also going to be talking about the new vest some of the things that you might not know about why the vest costs what it does that's a pretty big part of the conversation early on and something that we haven't really talked about a whole lot so think you might be interested in that we're gonna be answering a lot of questions that we commonly get about turkey hunting and just in general if you guys have any feedback on these live podcasts feel free to let me know and we can keep answering the questions you guys want to hear before we get into the episode though i wanted to let you guys know that we've teamed up with vortex to give away an all expenses paid turkey hunt with us at thp Aside from hitting the woods with us, lodging, licenses, Vortex gear, and $1,000 for travel is all included. You'll even get to be the main character for a turkey tour episode next season. Entering is easy. All you got to do is head to thp.vtxnation.com, enter your email, and you're done. Keep checking back on Vortex and THP social platforms for more information and we'll be talking about it in upcoming THP Turkey Tour videos as well. And good luck to everybody that enters. Also, our friends over at Go Wild are giving away a UTV, and you only have until March 31st. If you're not already a Go Wild member, all you got to do is create a free Go Wild account, and you'll automatically get an entry for a chance to win. If you're already a member or once you become a member, you can continue to get more entries in the giveaway by sharing the app with the rewards link. To share that link, go to your profile, hit share go wild, and it'll give you a unique share link. Then when you share that to your friends, every time one of your friends becomes a new member, you get an additional entry for a chance to win. If you want more details, go to timetogowild.com forward slash UTV. Let's get to it. Bear with us here, guys. This is our maiden voyage on this live live streaming adventure here on YouTube. I'm getting to see all y'all's comments as we're going here and your questions as they roll through. I'll try to grab any or as many questions as we can as we're going throughout this live feed. But like I said a minute ago, bear with us because this is our first time doing this. We're, we got big plans to do a bunch more of these on the THP podcast channel that we just launched a couple of days ago. Um, Zach's going to be posting new podcasts to that thing every Tuesday. And then during at least the first half of the Turkey Tour, we're going to be doing these live feeds on that channel every Thursday. 
we got a bunch of a bunch of stuff we need to get through. Like I said, if you got questions anywhere along the line here, I see a bunch of you are jumping on here. What's up, gentlemen? Is there anything you want to talk uh, about? <laughs> anything and everything. Anything you got to get off your chest? You know me, I'm an open book. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> it's been uh, it's been kind of a slow start to our season because it's early and it's cold and this not morning cold. it was wet. Hot. Or, sorry. sorry. <laughs> it's not it's not cold. I've had a couple action-packed hunts the last two days. Well, I guess you weren't with Fresh. me and Nick and Jake this morning. No. <laughs> We're I guess burning up diesel. I guess that's what I was referring to with cold. Was yeah, that Ted's I, had gobblers within range both days here. So two days in a row, yeah. It's been kind of hot for me. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you guys are doing. But yeah. yeah, we weren't hearing any turkeys this morning. We stopped mm -hmm. and listened at 15 spots, and yeah. we heard one turkey gobble, I think. Yeah, maybe. maybe. But it could, have been a, it could have been some guy's dog. It could have been anything other than a turkey. Yeah. But it could have been a turkey. It was a far-off noise, that unidentified. Yeah. That echoed at the same consistency and pitch as a turkey gobble. Good enough. Nick is staying with THP, correct, question mark, from Dylan. I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, as far as I'm concerned. We've yeah. been getting a lot of questions about Nick and Keith lately. And, yeah, we're going to be – Keith's going to be helping Zach a lot with this podcast endeavor with this new channel here soon and nick's going to be rolling with us for the next month basically on the turkey tour yep keith's doing a bunch of habitat stuff in ohio right now and maybe other places too but he's going to be busy with that for the next couple of weeks i think mm -hmm. and then he's going to join up with us too so should be fun oh yeah mm -hmm. it's going to be fun we're already having a good time oh, down yeah. here taking these kids out yeah this is one of the earliest starts that we've gotten to the turkey season other than the year that we went to south florida started that march 6th i think yeah but this year it seems like spring's a little bit ahead already mm -hmm. yeah you said it's been like this in texas for yeah it, it's been this kind of weather warm upper 70s in the 80s the last couple of weeks and it's kind of got everything ahead of schedule it's super green right now Mike Jones asked, what video or videos are you most excited to put out? Oh, dude. Um, I don't know. We, we, we've got some ideas for videos we're going to do this turkey tour. One of them was going to be, uh, we were going to see if Jake could go around and find permission to hunt somewhere uh, in some of these places. Mm -hmm. But we've been kicking that idea around, you know, amongst ourselves. Basically, just Mike and Jake up and going around and seeing if he can find places to hunt or not. We already got permission to hunt a coyote. Yeah, place. <laughs> we thought we were, well, I guess you guys saw that in the last video. We went and asked that guy. He said, Yeah, you're more than welcome. So when we get our hunting licenses in hand, we'll be maybe yeah. doing that. I think Jake could get permission to hunt anything from anybody. Just about. <laughs> we'll see. Yeah, we'll see. <laughs> I don't know about turkey. I don't know about <laughs> getting permission to turkey hunt on private property in the South. That, yeah. that could be a new, that could be a unique challenge. Well, but that may be something we try. It's all that's all part of life and growth is challenging yourself. So <laughs> getting out of your comfort zone. I want to do some more uh, videos on this habitat stuff. That's what I was talking to Keith about a bunch yesterday. It was real interesting. Is basically how you manage your habitat to make more turkeys. Because everybody knows turkeys are declining in some parts of the world. We've had decent hatches widespread the last two years, but several years before that it was rough in a lot of places. And even last year it was rough. So I'm 
super interested right now in basically what some of these land managers are doing on these properties where they have a lot of turkeys. It's like Andy and David in Tennessee got a bunch of turkeys on the properties that they hunt. And they had a bunch of turkeys on those properties 10 years ago when I was going down there. But 10 years ago when I was going down there, they were burning and they were spraying and they were disking and planting stuff. Like at that time, I didn't know what the heck they were doing. I just knew Mm -hmm. that like you burn stuff and it's good for birds. But it gets real green and the turkeys are in it. (laughs) Yeah, that's all I know. But um, the more I'm learning about that, the Mm -hmm. more there seems to be a correlation. It's like, sure. I mean, you've talked about uh, Matt and Adam's place there too, yeah. close to the Arkansas border, I think, where it's just like there's no turkeys just south of there, but they just got more turkeys and they know what to do with the way you make it sound on that property. Oh, yeah. And Matt and Adam are the land and legacy guys. Like they're huge habitat guys. That's their main gig. Mm-hmm. And when I went down to their farm last year, I mean, they had pictures of winter flocks, like 50, 60, 70 turkeys mm-hmm. on their property. And, you know, six to eight longbeards strutting in one picture. And this is in an area of Missouri that has had pretty significant declines. Mm -hmm. That's why I'm interested in Andy and David's properties, too, because there's parts of Tennessee that are seeing pretty significant declines. I mean, they moved the season back and dropped the bag limits back. But Andy and David's properties, they have just as many turkeys on them as they ever have. And they kill a bunch of turkeys off these places every single spring. But they have found a way to continue making turkeys on them. Mm -hmm. And like I said, they were doing this stuff uh, 10 years ago. And the guy that Jason Hollis, who we're going with Saturday, Mm -hmm. me and you, we're taking his boy out during the youth season. He's been doing habitat work on this property for decades. And when you talk to him, he's like, I haven't seen any decline. My turkey populations are as stable as they've ever been. And they kill several birds off his place every year. That's the thing. There's, there's some properties real close by that are public land that have got declines. There are private land that got declines, but then his, his piece of dirt right there, mm-hmm. they're not seeing declines. So I'm real interesting to go to those places and talk to those guys about what they're doing. And hopefully we can pass on some of that in- information to y'all. Mm-hmm. But that's one of the things that, um, so some people will be interested in it and some people aren't. That's one thing that bugs me a little bit is like we post a trapping video. Uh, a lot of people are interested in watching it and we love to trap. So that's all good. But our habitat videos that we've done in the past aren't as popular. But there's it's also just good information to get out there, which is why we do it. It's like we feel like it's it's if it's just valuable to not even that many people, it's going to make more turkeys. And that's kind of what we care about, I feel like. I guess that's where I'm going with this, guys, is if you like, um, like if you're interested in learning more about turkey habitat and stuff, please let us know like the specifics of what you want to learn, because we are interested in learning that, too. That's that's one thing that we're really trying to do this March. Even in the last couple of years, you've been doing way more stuff on your dad's place. There, oh, yeah. the farm beyond the mm-hmm. house. Like that's that's going to be interesting to follow along with, too. And because like there will be actual footage of all this stuff, too, and hunts taking place out there. And you, I feel like you've already kind of noticed a bit of a difference. Yeah. And there's, especially as far as deer, you've said. Oh yeah. There's way more deer out there, but even the last couple of years, we've, we've had more hens raising poults there that we've been able to visibly see. I don't know though, if that's just like, that's just anecdotal evidence. Mm -hmm. Like there's only, only time will tell if we're having an impact. Mm -hmm. Like we'll be able to see in four or five, six years down the road, possibly if we're doing some good. And I think that we will, 
that's the that's kind of the rub with the habitat stuff is it doesn't happen overnight like that's some of these other things you can do you can show people boom 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 in one video mm-hmm. yeah we we caught some raccoons or something or you know on this hunt we hunted this bird and we killed him but with the habitat stuff it's like you show a bunch of the work in a video you don't actually see the benefits of that yeah. maybe even for years mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. so it's it's a long process like you said jake you gotta just have to keep chipping away at it and we're going to keep showing you guys that sort of content because from that, everything that we understand, that's one of the major factors. When we listen to the wild turkey science guys, it's like brood rearing habitat for turkeys is in the single digits. Yeah. Nesting and brood rearing habitat is like something that is across the, across the board. Like, like we've talked about a lot of those guys will disagree on certain things, but that's one thing that is just like every time they're going to talk about that, it seems like. And I know some of the some of the questions that you guys um, will have is like if you only hunt public land or you only hunt lease land and you can't do anything about turkey habitat. Well, there that may that may be true in in a sense, but go to your state game commission meetings and talk to your commissioners about how they manage the public land because we went to public land that was well managed for turkeys and quail and there was a lot of turkeys and some of these properties have got lots and lots of hunters and they kill the heck out of turkeys off of them each year. But because they have really good Turkey habitat, they keep making more, they keep making more birds. It's like, you know, we want to go, we, sometimes we want to pick the biggest area on a map to go Turkey hunting, but it really comes down to the available habitat. If you, if you pick a 10,000 acre piece of public land and you go diving in there, well, that doesn't mean turkeys are on 10,000 acres. Turkeys may be on 600 acres or mm-hmm. 2,200 acres. Yeah, there's a spot by my parents' place where I live or where they live, and there's all this public, and it's all like floodplain. Yeah. And there's one spot. It's like just a fence row and a couple of ag fields, and then there's hardwood hills on the other side of the road, and people pound that every year, and there's only like a group, one you know flock of turkeys there maybe like 10 birds every year they get killed. And then I just drove by there the other day and there was like 15 or 20 jakes mm-hmm. right in that one spot. <laughs> they're always in that one spot. And then there's a spot down the road where they're always, but it's just right there where there's a mix of habitat. The rest of the area, there's like hardly any turkeys, mm-hmm. but just in those one spots, there's always turkeys there. Well, that's the thing. Like th- imagine if you took, the majority of that landscape or even doubled what you already have there in usable space for turkeys. You might increase, you might double the number of turkeys on that place. Mm-hmm. At least that's the way my brain works. Maybe that's not the reality of it. I'm not, like I said, I'm a layman in this stuff. I'm still learning, but that makes a lot of sense to me. If you are a public land owner, like everybody is, and you're concerned about the, the public land habitat in your state, go to your commission meetings and, you know, talk to them about ways that you can improve the habitat that Arkansas turkey stamp is really cool. It's a volunteer turkey stamp that Arkansas has. It's like nine bucks. And the money from that goes to turkey habitat. And they've improved a bunch of public ground with that money. With, I mean, just hunter's money. And it's voluntary. Like, I haven't hunted Arkansas the last couple years, and I buy that stamp. Yeah, it's kind of foolish that every state's not doing that. Yeah, that's what I'm saying. Like, I really want to see especially for nine bucks. Mm-hmm. It's like most turkey hunters that most turkey hunters are like us. They love turkeys and they don't want there to be none. No yeah. Turkeys. If we've I mean, learned anything right. from the, this decline is that turkey hunting 
hunters are plenty willing to help out and donate and yeah. do whatever they can to try to help. Like yeah. when we, we, we've asked you guys for help to raise money, it's like you stepped up immediately and oh, like yeah. we've been able to do that pretty easily. I feel like with your help. So mm-hmm. that's, that's encouraging. And all yeah, this, I guess we did. We've got, you all helped us raise money for that Kentucky project that we just filmed a few weeks ago. That might it's be a good segue to talk about the vest. The oh M2? yeah. That's a good segue to talk about the vest. <laughs> that line? Oh, the M2. Yeah. Let's, let's briefly <laughs> talk about this vest. All right. There's a, there's a lot of opinions out there about this thing. So $300 vest, 300 bucks. It's super expensive. Like we know that it's probably one of the most expensive, if not the most expensive turkey vest out there. It's more expensive than the Sika vest. Yes. It's, it's super expensive, (laughs) but it's made in the U S that's one reason why it's expensive. And it's taken us two years to develop this thing. And we've had some comments of people saying, oh, you guys have sold out. You're trying to sell an expensive turkey vest to make a bunch of money. But our plan with this thing the whole time has been to donate the majority of the profits to turkeys, either to turkey habitat or to turkey research, whatever. Yeah, not just the portion that already goes there. Not just the $30 we already promised you Mm -hmm. guys. Like. Mm -hmm. We just, I have some things working in the background on the habitat side that I'm trying to get figured out. And I don't want to, I don't want to just come out there and say like, okay, all this money is going directly to this project because we have a bunch of different habitat projects that we're currently looking at. But the answer to that's the long answer to those comments is yeah. Just know when you buy one of these, we're not going to be pocketing all the money and buying brand new trucks and stuff like that. No, (laughs) it's going back to Turkey. We made this. We made this vest with tethered because we wanted a better turkey vest. Mm-hmm. I mean, if and you it's guys not can't... just a turkey vest either. Like I wore it the whole fall, and yeah. like it's the best hunting pack for the way that I like to hunt that I've I've worn. I mean, mm-hmm. I wouldn't wear it elk hunting, but for deer and turkey and just like if I'm scouting, it's got the water bladder on there. I got mm-hmm. two yeah. liters of water on my back. I'm going shed hunting, walking the dog, whatever. Like I'm wearing the thing. Yeah, you got everything you need, and you can have a lot of different adjustments with all this stuff so yeah there's it's pretty it's, sweet it's and you, modular not, you can change i don't think it's going to help anybody kill any more turkeys <clears> than what they normally would so you definitely don't need to have it there's like we've talked about there's a lot of different vests available out there that are a lot cheaper yeah that's but, one reason why we didn't make another cheaper vest mm-hmm. is because there's you guys have seen us wearing the gamut of, i mean you've been wearing a women's turkey vest for the last yeah, few years this thing you know? actually fits it's like it's so adjustable that i can cinch it down like the lumbar support i can put around my waist I, the reason i had a woman's turkey vest is because they were all too big and baggy well, yeah. for me the one that i wear that thing was like 100 bucks i bought that probably five years ago and it mm-hmm. stuck out about a foot on each side mm-hmm. from my chest yeah the but. point is though that those vests work mm-hmm. there's a bunch of, of good vests on the market and like you said you don't need this thing to kill turkeys so you don't need a turkey vest you no don't. you don't need a turkey <laughs> no. but you wear a fanny pack yeah if you, want. <laughs> you can put you can put a call in your pocket and, a, and two shells in the other one and a couple of tags and go it you is don't need sick, this though. thing but that's why <laughs> that's why it's we really built nice it is because there's there's all kinds of options out there if you turkey out like we do it it's a yeah. it is it's a right. pro, i think it's your best option and out there hope. we don't need you to buy it and you don't need to buy it but it is really nice we're yeah. really happy with it and just so out. you know like we said if you buy it the money that we get from it is going to turkeys mm-hmm. i mean that's what we're that's what our goal has been the entire time with this thing. Mm-hmm. So that's um, that's the M2 turkey vest, I guess. But I guess we should talk a little bit more about like the specifics of the vest because people have asked us like what makes it 
what makes it so special or whatever. Let me and, put this thing on. Yeah, you can throw it on quick. Please model for us. Mm -hmm. I'd love to model in too. That's mine, so it might be a little long on you. It's just a turkey stamp that you can wear. <laughs> yeah, exactly. yeah. There you go. I think that's the like the most important thing to me is as far as carrying weight. If if you've ever elk hunted before, you know how important that lumbar strap is. Like you can cinch that down, and then like none of the weight is on your shoulders, yeah, and I mean, all the weight is on your waist. Right there. And it just it makes carrying weight so much easier. And then everything just cinches down so much. And you you guys might have seen us last year wearing the what is it the multi camo whatever mm -hmm. vest and the material on that was just so much louder than this like you'd be able to hear that for sure but carl did he does he design this fabric it's called correct? whisper tough yeah it's proprietary fabric Super he basically quiet. invented it i was like carl where'd you get this fabric eventually and he's like i invented it <laughs> <laughs> he said what you guys wanted was really really difficult yeah, to find that's mm -hmm. carl right there that's carl on the podcast that's on the podcast channel yeah but like jake said the stuff the, the dilemma we had was we wanted a vest that was really light and that fit extremely well because, like you talked about with the women's vest, mm -hmm. all the other vests are baggy. They didn't yeah. fit great. Um, we wanted something that fit that you could almost run in, that you could crawl around in, that you could wear and almost not realize you mm -hmm. had it on. So a lot, of, a lot of effort and time went into figuring out the fit. Yep. But then everything cinches down where it's real compact. Mm -hmm. But then we also all wanted something different. It's like we had a meeting at a table just like this, and everybody's talking about <laughs> what they want. Everybody's wanting like a lot of similar stuff, but also different stuff. And that's where the modular thing comes in, where you can just make it your own best. Like you were talking earlier today, like you got a place to put a box call. You can yeah. put you can put that wherever you want. Yeah. On there. One thing I think is really cool is this seat, and you can open this thing up and uh, put whatever foam you want in there that's yeah. something that i don't think is very common no you can change that foam out when it goes flat yeah. because all that foam will over time i mean mm -hmm. that's one of the issues with yeah that. if you, you want more cushion i guess you could do that yeah you too. can put whatever you want in there yeah yeah and you can change it. when you look at it online you'll see all the different features it's got and the different attachments you can buy for you can use a bird bag in the back or you can use a hydration pack you know you can take the seat off if you don't like the seat you and with, with the, the what is it the compression kit yeah I, i'm gonna be carrying a saddle platform on mine if i'm saddle hunting it all this year I've, I've already tried it on there and it works like you can there's a kit they sell where instead of this it's instead just of like straps bag. you can cinch stuff down and you'll be able to carry your platform or your sticks around with it too so yeah. it'll be good and you can wear it while you have your saddle on like you mm -hmm. can just be up you don't ever have to take it off so it's gonna be nice for that too yeah, it took Carl a long time to figure out that fabric issue out mm -hmm. because, like I was saying a minute ago, that our dilemma was we wanted a vest that was super tough that you would have to buy once and cry once, mm -hmm. kind of like the saddle. You know, you could buy that Mantis saddle that they had from a few years ago, and the thing would last you year after year after year. Yeah. And we wanted a turkey vest that would do the same thing. It's like, yes, it's expensive, but you're planning on buying this vest and owning it for mm -hmm. years and using it for years. And the, all the lightweight, really breathable vests that we've worn in the past with thin fabric, they were fairly comfortable, but they weren't durable at all. Yeah. That's yeah. the first thing Josh said about it, actually. He's like, this thing ain't going to get hot. And I guess I don't, we don't maybe think about that as much as a Southern Turkey hunt, hunter hunting down here in April or something like that. But yeah. that was the first thing he said about it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. So that was our main, that was really one of the biggest hurdles that we had when we were designing it was how do you make it light, fast, comfortable, super quiet, 
but durable. Mm -hmm. And that's why Carl had to invent that fabric is because there was nothing out there that we could find that, that covered all those bases. If it was light and fast and quiet, it was, it was not durable and we didn't think it would last. So anyway, that's some tidbits on the vest. I'm sure that you guys have been asking questions about it. Um, Del Kirby said a while ago, he said, I think I've killed more turkeys without a vest than I have with one. <laughs> yep. Yeah, where you just put a call in your pocket and you go. That's what Catman does. Mm -hmm. He puts his slate yep. call in his pocket and goes. How often will you guys be doing the podcast? We're going to we're going to have new video podcasts up on the THP podcast channel every Tuesday. That's year round. And then we're going to be doing these live feeds on the THP podcast channel every Thursday night for the next month and a half ish somewhere in there. It's a big <laughs> undertaking for Greg. You guys can't see him back here, but he's got like all kinds of wires and things going everywhere. <laughs> he's been, downloading apps and there was some stress in the room trying to get this <laughs> oh, yeah. all figured out here because yeah, it's our first time yeah but. when i walked in here from out there you could have cut it with a knife yeah, <laughs> oh, yeah. Couldn't breathe. <laughs> yeah, dude. yeah there's a lot that goes into one of these one of these deals so <laughs> there, oh, yeah. Yeah. there you go <laughs> give them a look yep look down the table it's just all yeah. gear bags yep so it's something <laughs> we want to do more often we used to do these all the time Mm -hmm. we love doing these we just got away from yeah, it yeah drop a, a comment if you remember us doing them on the facebook back in the day yeah that was what 2017 that was when i was uh applying for the internship i got thrown into one mm -hmm. first day down there that's funny <laughs> uh the hunting pier the said <laughs> the hunting yep. pier said need to show how well it can pack saddle gear as well like can it hold sticks and a platform etc during deer season mm -hmm. but that's one of the things you just talked yeah, we'll, we'll we'll showcase that probably during the summer. Or, uh, you'll for sure see it next fall. Yeah. Mm -hmm. What calls do you recommend? Um, that's a tough one. There's all sorts. Everybody's different. Everybody's different. That's <clears throat> the thing. Like I would recommend if you're getting into mouth calling to buy one of those three packs. Yeah. Um, yeah. If you're getting into mouth calls, for sure, just like get a variety of different calls because. We, we were mm -hmm. talking, everybody's mouse different. Everybody pushes yep. air different. Like it's impossible to recommend a certain mouse mm -hmm. call to somebody. I feel like you yeah. just got to try several different ones. I mean, you probably know more about that than any of uh, us, but I think that's the answer right there. Yeah. I mean, definitely try a bunch of different ones. Dave, I think Dave might even be on here. Owens. Yep. Turkey hunting is overrated. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I'm surprised he's even right. on here. Yeah. <laughs> Dave, actually, that's a good example because Dave likes to blow those ghost cuts a lot. Mm -hmm. And, I mean, he sounds as real as the real gets as far as turkey calling goes. Yeah, that's what Thrash has been using the last few days. Sounds really, really good. I cannot run one of them very good. I have run all different sorts of them. And it's to your point, Jake, like about how you blow air over the call. I got to have that opening on that right side because for some reason it just – naturally i want to blow my air over the right side of the call and i can move it around but that's where i'm most comfortable mm -hmm. so I, that's why i like like those cutter calls with the opening on the right or a combo cut with the opening on the right or even a bat wing with an opening on the right then i can manipulate that that pitch and a little bit more with that mm -hmm. yeah the one i always come back to is the ninja hammer mm -hmm. woodhaven ninja hammer i actually use the reverse so whatever size that 
the opening on for that. I'm not sure. I think it's the right side. Yeah. That's my best suggestion, though. Like, if you're getting into to mouth calling, just try a yeah. pile of different mm -hmm. ones. Until and you... if you're just getting into calling, a friction call is going to be yeah. the easiest to learn. But you should definitely learn how to mouth call if you're going to continue to turkey hunt just so you can do it hands-free as they get closer. Oh, but... here's a good question. Greg, did you just float that on the screen? Zach did that on his end. Oh, nice, Zinger. <laughs> nice, man. We should address That's Zach, sweet. too, because I think we've <laughs> yeah. only done NWTS the only one that's oh, done that for us. From that? afar. Zinger talking? Yeah, he's just fist pumping. Oh, there he is. <laughs> right on. We, he was going to be on here with us and talking, but we could not. He's in Colorado, so we couldn't figure out how to patch him in and then be able to hear it. <laughs> yeah, it's part of the stress going on. But yeah, Jordan Hurst asked question for <laughs> he asked question for each of you. If you can only take three items to the field turkey hunting, what would they be? Oh yeah, there's Zinger's leg. He's fixing to get that work on oh, here real soon. If you can only take three items with you to the field turkey hunting, what would they be? Gun shells and a call. <laughs> Second, yeah. third, fourth shell. <laughs> <laughs> That's what I was thinking. One, two, three shells. Yeah. yeah. Was that your answer, all of you? Well, I guess yeah, a shotgun right. has to be one of them, so a shotgun and two shells. Uh -huh. <laughs> I think that we can just say that that's like a given, though, maybe. Yeah. Yeah, what are some interesting items that you take that's different from everybody else? Calls water toilet paper for me, probably. Toilet paper, <laughs> big toilet paper guy. Yeah. Yeah. Wet wipes, actually. But Hey, dude. Not hey, dudes. Dude wipes. Man. I, I'm not loyal to any brand. But... <laughs> what else you got? You got anything extra you take? Turkey Nothing toe? unique. Oh, yeah. Turkey toe. Yeah, I do like those for when you're walking out a long ways. Oh, wiggies. That's, what I, that's a yeah. good one. That's when we I like get to have the wiggies on there. We don't like handy. we don't like wearing the dang rubber boots. Mm. They're just hot and they're a pain. So when you wear hiking boots and you run across a creek or something like that, I remember I was talking to Dave about that a few years ago, and he used to use he may still use contractor bags. Sure he, he packed contractor bags with him for a long time and would just put those over his legs so he could keep his hiking boots on. Yeah, but then we found those wiggies and. Those things are slick. Yeah, I gotta add snake boots to my list. I'm wearing snake boots. Yeah. Ty, Ty says thermosel. Oh yeah, mm -hmm. we bring that all the time. Picard and lotion that works pretty good too. Yeah, that's one thing I was talking <clears throat> to Thrash about or Keith yesterday because one of the boys forgot his forgot his butane or whatever, so he just had a thermosel no fuel, mm -hmm. and there's mosquitoes just epic down there where we we're hunting and. That Picardin is something we used on that Wyoming hunt last year. Mm-hmm. What during is it? the during the deer hunt? Sawyer's Picardin lotion. You can buy it in like a bottle or little packets or whatever that fit in your pocket, and you just put it on your skin. I think it may even be odorless. Yeah, I'm not I sure. think so. But I'm, it's yeah, we the mosquitoes were terrible in Wyoming during his deer hunt <laughs> in September, and we put that stuff on every time before we went out, and they wouldn't mess with you too much seemed like it worked a little bit better than thermosel even <clears throat> yeah that stuff is, and i don't have any of it with me right now we need to buy some more can you spell that Picardin? <laughs> no <laughs> not a chance are you trying to get your first first long beer down here mississippi Absolutely. here in the next week or two mm -hmm. i would love i would love that yeah i'd love to have an opportunity but i'd really like to kill one <laughs> i mean We've been trying to find one. We ain't had a lot of success finding one yet, but yeah. I'm sure we will. It's just tough early season 
this time of year down here. I mean, they're just hinned up like the devil, and they don't gobble very much. Even that one that you all almost killed this morning. Yeah, he wasn't gobbling at all. We didn't hear any gobbles until eight thirty, nine o'clock or so. We had to switch locations, and then Reed got him with the owl hoot. I think he only gobbled twice, actually, the whole time we were hunting him. And then the rest of the time, we could just hear him drumming coming up the ridge. Yeah. <clears throat> I think this little cool snap that's coming tomorrow is really going to flip things around. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Let's see what else we got in here for questions. What line of work did you guys all do before <clears throat> THP took off? I went to high school. <laughs> That's 100% true. Yeah. Nick's, Nick's got the coolest answer. Uh, yeah, I was a college student. <laughs> no. Uh, I was in the Marine Corps and then college and then here. I did like uh, crop consulting type stuff, drove a big high boy sprayer around. Didn't you work at McDonald's at one point? For a couple weeks. And then I quit that and worked at my uncle's dairy farm instead because I didn't want to work at McDonald's anymore. Nice. <laughs> Some interesting folks. Was the ice cream machine ever working when you were there? Yeah. <laughs> it's amazing. Yep. It's it amazing. Well, it's <laughs> the employees use it. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I, would, I, should, I mean, I guess I don't care, but I would just be picking nuggets out of the stuff. <laughs> <laughs> I guess statute of limitations is already passed. Actually, my good. first, yeah. my uh, first uh, day going to work, I just got my license, and it was snowing real bad. And I was asking you guys if you ever been in a car accident the other day. The only one I've ever been in. I uh, was coming up to a red light and I just slid like so far and just like barely, barely, barely tapped the rear end of this guy. And he gets out and he looks at his car and there's just like, I hit his, his my license plate his, hit his license plate and like it dented his license plate a little bit. So he's like, let's pull over and, you know, talk about this or whatever and talk to him. And he says, I was like, are you hurt or anything? He's like, no, I'm good. And we just, you know, called the cops for insurance purposes or whatever. And then this guy reffed like our basketball games. And then like a week later, he just said his neck hurt. So I had, you know, to make an insurance <laughs> claim. <laughs> like I, like I went, like the car went like that too. I'm like, there's no way. <laughs> and then like a couple of days after that, I see him reffing a basketball game. I'm like, oh, your neck hurts, huh? <laughs> so that was my first day going to work at McDonald's. I got, I rear-ended the car. So, so I was late, like a half hour late. <laughs> Well, you made it a couple of weeks and decided to hang up the cleats on McDonald's. I mean, <laughs> yeah, I worked at I worked at a grocery store for three years as a, a carry out and a stocker, and that was one of the best jobs I ever had. I made five dollars an hour the first year, and then and I did so good I got a raise the second year, and I made five twenty five. <laughs> and then I got nice. another raise before I quit, and I think by the time I quit, I was making five fifty. Come on. Yeah, five fifty now, and I was making like a hundred. I was getting like one hundred and fifty dollars checks every week. Now, that was when you could fill up your truck for twenty dollars. I think minimum, minimum wage was seven twenty five when I started working at McDonald's. Yeah, a little higher then. I did. I did that until I, I started working with my stepbrother building houses, built houses for a couple of years, and then I worked on washing machines, and dryers and refrigerators. Bob's Appliance, Mexico Mo for Marvin Minsky. And you'd still be doing that today, you say, if you were. I would, because that was one of the best jobs I had. I worked, Marvin owned a small business, and his two sons, Bo and Garrett, were, they were both a couple years older than I was, but we became like real good friends, and all of them loved to turkey hunt and deer hunt. 
So we would go to work and Marvin owned the business. Like it was just us guys there that ran everything. When he decided it was, I mean, we would work overtime during the summer and the winter installing stuff way after business hours and whatnot. So we could have all of our jobs done by spring Mm -hmm. or fall. And he was cool. He would be like, wow, can I move some calls around? He'd get over there and look at the schedule and he would start calling people at like 10 in the morning. Like, what are you doing? And he, and he'd be like, just give me a minute. He'd be over there moving stuff around and about 1030, he went, he'd go up there and lock the door and he'd be like, get in the truck. You got your camo. I'm like, yeah. He's like, we got, we got till one. <laughs> he said, I moved all the calls back to later tonight. So we're going to go turkey hunting for a few hours. We killed some turkeys doing that. So That's it was cool. really fun because everybody loved to hunt and we would all help each other work um, round the clock just so we would have time to hunt. And then he'd lock the door and we'd go hunt. What would you be doing if you weren't doing this? Mm, I don't know. I would have went to college, I guess. And then <laughs> <laughs> just went wherever the wind took me. <laughs> I don't really know what I'd do. You know what you'd be going for to college? or? Um, yeah, I was signed up to go be a photography major. I went and, and signed up did. for my classes. Right on. That's yeah. what you did, wasn't it? Yeah, I did photography. Yeah, I was signing up for my classes, and I remember I was like, gosh, I don't <laughs> have to do this because <laughs> I had already applied for the internship, but I still had to go in and sign up. Otherwise, if I did have to go, then, you know, had to be signed up. Interesting story how he got the internship with us initially. I think you were 17 when you first applied, mm-hmm. or, or yeah, you had just turned 18. Yeah, I was right there. Something like, when's your birthday? May 23rd. Oh, no, you were 17 when you applied. And uh, he came down. He had a great-looking resume and portfolio because he'd been filming hunts off of an iPhone and and found a way to edit them himself. And I thought that was really cool, you know, because he didn't have any fancy equipment or anything. He just figured out how to make hunting videos off of an iPhone, and they were actually pretty good. Mm -hmm. So we had him down, interviewed him, and I was like, man, we ain't never brought on an intern under the age of 20 and you're 17. Like maybe you should just practice this for a few more years and go to college and then holler at me and we can get you in it. And he was like, okay, okay. And he left and then was like, we were texting a little bit back and forth like a few days later. And it's like, man, you, you really want to do this, don't you? He's like, yeah, I really do. I'm like, let me talk to your old man. <laughs> so I talked talk to, to the man in the house. Yeah. I talked to talk Zip to about it. His dad. Yeah. And Zip was like, Zip was like, hey, he's getting out of high school. He's got no debt right now. He hasn't went to college and got a bunch of debt and loans he's got to pay for. And this is what he truly wants to do. He said, I'd rather him do it now before he goes to college. And then when he has to leave, he comes to you guys and he's got all this debt that he's got to pay for. Mm-hmm. I'm like, that made a lot of sense. Yeah. So. Yeah, here you are. I'm happy to be here. There's no <laughs> doubt about that. Yeah, right we all are. <laughs> the whole time I was working those other jobs, though, like even back in high school, I was filming hunts. I, I always kind of dabbled in that even before for a long time. It was nothing but a money pit. Like we would just buy cameras and buy cheap editing software. And I made DVDs and handed them out to people at NWTF convention and Nobody watched them. I mean, they probably just pitched them in the trash. Wonder if my dad was. Uh, my dad would walk up to people and be like, "You got to check this out. You know, <laughs> this is really cool." It'd be awesome if one of those resurfaced and somebody said they had one. Uh huh. 
I'm sure that he still got his old computer. Some of those old hunts, I'm sure we still have. Them. You should tell the story that you told us the other That's day about about you going to your first calling competition and Kenny's. <laughs> like, yeah, 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 that's good. Oh God, yeah. Oh, I'd always walk around the store, um, the grocery store when I was working, and even at school, I'd have a mouth call in my pocket. So I would be yelping and like. If you didn't know where I was, just stop and listen, and you could hear me on aisle three or 12 or wherever I was because I'd be clucking and purring over there. I'd be cutting in the back room. As soon as my boss would leave, I'd start yelping, you know. And I'd walk around and do some soft calling while he was there. He was cool with it as long as I didn't make it too much ruckus. Not doing any fly downs or anything? No, I, did, I do fly downs right before close at night. Yeah. Anyway, fly up. I, was at, I was at work, and I had my calls on me. And my cousin, Brandon, came in there and he's like, hey, they got a turkey calling contest at the courthouse today. And I'm like, I'm working, man. I got my Hickman's IGA shirt on, you know. He's like, I'll go ask Roger and see if you can get up there. And I, we went over there and we were like, I talked to the boss and said, can we run out and go to this contest for an hour? So he's like, yeah, sure. No problem. So I went up there to that contest with my, I mean, with my grocery store shirt on and a couple of calls in my pocket. And I got up uh, as soon as I walked in there, like Billy Yargis was there, Steve Stoltz, James Harrison, a bunch of these like professionals that do this stuff all the time. As soon as I walked in, I could hear like this flock of real turkeys, what it sounded like calling from a room in the back of this auditorium. And I'm like, do they have like real turkeys in a pen back there or something? And I walked back there and these guys are actually yelping on mouth calls. And I'm like, I can't do anything like that. I thought I could do okay because I could get a turkey to gobble, but like these guys are real turkeys. So anyway, they, I didn't understand what any of the calls meant. So I got up there on the stage and they were like, do a hen assembly call. I'm like, I have no idea what that even is. I don't even know. Is that like clucking and purring? Is that yelping? Is that cutting or what? And those guys taught me eventually what it was. And I don't even know what I did. I probably just, you know, <laughs> you know, something ridiculous. And the whole time my dad was down there. And as soon as I got done, he's like, great. great job. <laughs> <laughs> and I got dead last. It was awful. It was terrible. But it's, yeah, that's the way my old man always was at all those deals, which is great because he's supportive. But at the same time, I'm like, dude, I'm trying to get better. And just tell me that it's great every single time it comes out, or I'm never going to get better. It's a pretty good crowd to get it, uh, get in with, though. Oh yeah, mm-hmm. like Billy was super nice right off, right out the get go. So was Steve, and then James was there with his boy Cody, who's grown now and mm-hmm. married and got a kid on the way, I believe. Um, but yeah, he pulled me aside and was like, "Here's my number, man. Holler at me anytime, and I'll help you." And that's it's a in large part because. I'm sitting here is because of him like taking me to the side and showing me how to turkey call. And then he would take me around the country to all the different contests. And I met a bunch of people doing that. Mm-hmm. And I gave my business cards out because I was f- freelance videographer. So I just, that's, that's how I started filming people in the, in the hunting world was I met them through those turkey calling contests. And I wouldn't have ever done that had I not met those guys that day. But mm-hmm. I was scared, boy. When I got in there and I heard them calling, I'm like, man, I'm going to make a call. Yeah, I would, ne- I would never do myself. something like that. <laughs> I mean, you you play the gigs and stuff like that. I would. I, would, I mean, you'd, ha- you'd have to force me to, to do stuff. I don't like stuff like that at all, getting up in front of crowds. Uh, like you said, <laughs> did you do the talent show or something? I want it. <laughs> <laughs> what would you do? I told the bird joke. 
from the Giesenslaw brothers. That is good. Yeah, YouTube Giesenslaw brothers. You'll laugh a lot. But anyway, yeah, it's like a 10-minute joke, and it's got like this long setup and everything to it. And I practiced it for months, telling it at family dinners and whatnot. And people would just laugh and laugh. And the talent show come up, and I'm like, Mom, i got to be in this stupid thing. I don't know what I'm going to do. And she's like, tell you the bird joke. So I got up there. I had to stand on my toes to talk into the microphone. I wish there was and a video I did of that. it. And yeah. it was like, was I just fun. remember sweating, pulling off my yeah. head, and all these kids and people in the audience. And I got all the way to the end of the joke because the punchline's at the very end. And this is a marathon of a joke. So, like, everybody's just sitting there watching me. And I got to the very end and I nailed the punchline and they just started <laughs> laughing hysterically. I just waved and ran off. <laughs> that actually did. went okay. And I won. That's one whole thing for sure. I would just like fake sick to avoid going to like concerts where it was going to be just yeah. me and a bunch of my classmates. I would just be like, yeah, I don't feel good. Oh <laughs> man, I got burned doing a concert in sixth grade. We had to be in a show choir or band was your electives. Okay. So I did show choir. Me and all my buddies did. And uh, we had a concert one day and I don't know how, but I had a solo. <laughs> In my, so it was like two people had solos back to back and it was me and then one of my best friends landed and so i sing my solo and i was so scared i thought i was gonna puke everywhere get up there and sing and then he gives it behind me and messes up his part so they restart the song and i had to go up there and do it all over oh, again <laughs> yep nope not for me nailed it twice in a row though, oh i mean like a split hog yeah. well, i figured <laughs> All right, what else we got on here we need to talk about? We got lots of questions. Sorry, guys. We went down the rabbit hole there for a few minutes, and I lost track of what we were. A lot of people asking about gun and uh, ammo combos. Gun and ammo combos? That's probably a good question we should address because that is, that's something that Mindy was asking us about the other day because she answers some of the social messages. And mm -hmm. I guess we could just go around. Which gun, what gun, choke, and ammo do you shoot, Nick? Uh, I've got a Browning Maxis. 12 gauge with a kicks uh, goblin thunder choke and I'm shooting federal TSS number nines. And then I got a Benelli Nova 20 gauge, same kicks goblin thunder choke and federal TSS. Three inch? Yes. Yep. Nice. I think ours pretty much the same, huh? Yeah, I think they're the exact same. Except you got I've got a different red dot. Ours is a Mossberg SA 20 gauge. And then it just comes with a turkey choke in there. Mm, it's like a turkey kit that they sell, basically. Yeah. And then I've got the Crossfire Red Dot on there from Vortex. And then we're shooting hand-loaded TSS, mm -hmm. three-inch, 28 shells. I've been shooting the same Remington 870 12-gauge for 25 years. Uh, and it's just a your standard 870 that you bought. I mean, we bought it at Walmart like a 28 inch barrel i think and when i was 10 we bought an hs undertaker choke tube and i think it's still the original choke tube that's in it i've taken it out numerous times and like the thing just looks awful but i just put it in and it shoots so i've shot that same choke and gun for a long time and i shoot the same shells winchester double x mm -hmm. three inch either fours or fives. I don't like the sixes as much. Doesn't seem like they carry as much energy downrange as the fours and fives, but I, that could just be, that's speculation on my part. I don't know if that's actually the truth. I just like the black shells, the mm -hmm. fours and 
number fives. They're just cheap shells you can buy at Walmart pretty well. Cheap mm -hmm. turkey loads. Yep. Shot those forever. Um, does that cover that question, Greg? What other questions do you all have here that I've been missing? You see any? What states are you guys hunting for the turkey tour? I figured that one would come up. Um, we're not really sure exactly just yet, but there's a good chance we're going to go to the Northeast in May. We were talking about. We haven't been up there for a little bit. We hunted Maine. We've hunted PA, New York, Virginia, Virginia. That's not well, it's kind of there, getting but... there. West Virginia, we've hunted there, but. We need to get back up there. Usually in May, we take a Western trip and go hunt Miriam somewhere, which is always a blast, but we haven't been to the Northeast in a while, and May seems like a good time to do that. Mm -hmm. So we may go up there during that time. But in between now and then, we're not really sure. I mean, we're hoping to get Nick a turkey down here. And obviously the kids and over the next week or so, but... I don't really know what all we're going to be doing beyond that. We're going to Texas. That's going to be a, a state that we have not hunted turkeys in in the past that I'm pretty excited about. There is just so much limited public access there mm -hmm. that we may end up hunting them on private land. What you know about that? We may end up on private. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, there's not a lot of public land to hunt in Texas for turkeys, but there is a lot of turkeys down there. So mm -hmm. it's a state we want to hunt. Yep. Uh, we haven't been to Louisiana. We haven't been to South Carolina yet. I've hunted there, but it's been many years ago. And those are both places that we want to get to. Anything else you're thinking about regarding turkey tour? Videos are going out a lot faster. Hope you guys like that. Yeah, that's a new thing we should ask you all about while we're on live here is we're changing up our format a bit on the videos. And we may carry this over into deer season next fall if it works out, but we, the last two days we've tried to go out in the morning and hunt and then edit videos in the afternoon so we could post them that night. And we've got, as soon as this podcast is over with, we're going to post this morning's hunt that we had with uh, Thrash and Reed, mm -hmm. his son. And yesterday morning's hunt we posted last night and we're going to try to do that as frequently as possible. So last year, I think we only posted like 15 or 16 turkey tour videos all spring. And our goal there was to improve the production quality, make better quality videos and post fewer of them because it just takes you longer to make, you know, higher quality videos. I mean, more cameras, more camera angles, more editing. But with these, it's more of that, I guess, rough and raw style of filming and editing. And it's a big undertaking on our part because we got to have three or four guys editing a video to get it out. But that's kind of our goal this spring is to make more videos and make them as current as we possibly can. And make more gray hairs. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Why not? We got some on shining through. So I was actually this whole time, every time I look over at you, I got one right by your ear. I've been keying in on. Zach said, keep in mind, if you like the fast turnaround, our odds of dying early go up a lot, which is probably true. <laughs> We're on the caffeine pretty hard there. Yeah. I even got into it a little bit yesterday, and I usually yeah. don't get on it because it makes me so jittery. But mm -hmm. You're a wild man. He is. Yeah, you got to have it now. Anymore? I like it. Yeah. That's right where we need you. <laughs> even if it shaves off 12 or 15, no big deal. That's where you need me right now. So mm -hmm. just motor on down the road. And my lifestyle is awesome from Kyle. Thanks, man. We're going to try more of it. We'll see. 
some folks saying don't get burnout. Well, I don't think that's going to happen. We're just the way I see it is we're lucky enough to get to do this and to get to share these adventures with you guys. We can we can work hard on the editing side and get you guys videos as fast as we can, mm-hmm. as long as we get some sleep here and there. That's mm-hmm. it's easy to say that now, but like two weeks from now, yeah. When we yeah, get, these past two days haven't been too bad because we're only hunting till nine. But then once we start hunting. Yeah. The whole day, that's when it's going to get that's, a lot tougher. It's going to get hairy, man. <laughs> yeah. yeah. Yeah, I don't know what we're going to do then. We'll see. We'll just get them up as quickly as we can. I, that's all I can tell you. I don't know how long it's going to take. Definitely going to be some sleepless sleepless nights, though. In the spring thunder days, I would just be parked at Starbucks all night, you know, grabbing their Wi-Fi. Uh, sometimes I had to put a coat on and go out there and sit at their little tables out front. Mm-hmm. And the cops would come by and they'd shine their spotlight on me and then they'd come over there and ask me what I was doing. And I was trying to get a little Wi-Fi action over here. <laughs> Waiting for a latte. Yeah. <laughs> um what else we got here? What states haven't you hunted that you plan to? Texas. Yep. All of them. I mean not this spring, but California. Know. California is one that we almost went to this year, but we didn't end up going just because it was going to be a little complicated to travel out there. It's like Oregon. Uh Zach went to Oregon. Oh, yeah. Zach did go to Oregon. Something about it. I just really like the idea of it. I don't know why. Mm -hmm. You been? You been up? No? Um, Chandler's asked a couple times, he just says decoys on public land. Did you uh, did somebody answer the decoy question a while ago? I don't know if Zach or you answered it, Greg. I'm not sure, but there was somebody was asking about like our decoy strategy, and maybe he's just implying like what are our thoughts on decoys on public land? But we don't use them very often at all. I mean, occasionally we'll use them, but it's I would rare. be uh, just thinking about if it's a safe situation to be using one or not. I'd say, mm-hmm. I mean, we use them in situations where I'd, I'd say we're we know we're around less hunters and they're just like more open. I'd I'd say is when we generally use them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, we just don't seem to use them that often, mm-hmm. though. I mean, like I took that uh, Landon, that boy on private on my family farm mm-hmm. in Missouri last year, and we used a hen decoy. Yeah. I think they're definitely nice for that uh, when you got kids, mm-hmm. you know, when you're trying to take the focus off of your setup or whatever. Yeah. And Greg likes using them a fair bit. For um, self-filming? For self-filming. self-filming, yeah. Because he's got to move around a lot more mm-hmm. when he's doing that, and that helps take the focus off of you. Yeah, and if you're an archery guy, too. Yeah. Um, yeah, I just answered that question uh, for backcountry hunters and anglers that I just did. And yeah. I was just – same answer, you know, public, not really private situation dictates, you know, what do you got time for? You know, what's your end goal? What do you want it to look like? Mm-hmm. If you want to call in just more game in general, though, like for deer and turkey, if you're going to hunt other stuff, it's good to try to do it without a decoy sometimes because it's like making that setup where they got to come in and find you and get in mm-hmm. range before, you know, they should be able to see it. It's going to help you in all calling situations like it's i feel like it's really eliminated the curve or learning curve as far as elk hunting goes for sure just yeah. like knowing how to set up for turkeys is that uh, makes elk hunting way easier i think if, if we hadn't done that a whole bunch mm-hmm. sure yeah we use them some but 
I don't, the thing, people ask us what our stance is on that too. And I don't know if that was what he was getting at with that question was like, how do we feel about decoys? Because some states are making them illegal for certain times of the year. Mm-hmm. Like, I don't really know if it's legal in your state and you want to use a decoy, then use a decoy. Mm-hmm. I'm definitely the, the only, the only concern I have with it is the safety aspect on public or private. Like if you're going to put a decoy in your head and go crawling around the woods, trying to kill a turkey, you know, reaping them or whatever, you need to be really, really conscious, safety conscious of what you're doing, especially if you're on public land and you don't know your surroundings. And if I mean, that's the only way I used to hunt turkeys pretty much was reaping them. I, I, I did that when I was like, used one of the old pretty boy decoys when I was in high school and mm-hmm. you'd hardly ever seen it even done then. Mm-hmm. I was filming my buddy Sam on the hood of my truck crawl across a cut cornfield with that decoy in front of him. And I could not believe how close he was getting to these turkeys. I'd never seen anything like that. And he killed one of them. And I was like, that's the, that's the most incredible turkey I've ever seen. And now you, <laughs> now you guys have seen it a million yeah, times, yeah. you know. But then we didn't have any idea that that even worked. Mm-hmm. And then, boom, it worked. And we used it for a while on private, killing turkeys in fields and whatnot. And we've used fans occasionally, you know, on public, like, just set up to call in a gobbler. And if one comes in and starts getting nervous or something, we might whip it out of our vest and hold it up just to take his attention off for a minute so we can move and shoot him. But I don't know, man, this is a safety thing is I've slowed my roll on it just cause yeah, like, I haven't used Turkey numbers going down. I don't, I don't know if it makes a difference or not, but it's just like, if there's something we can do to help, I mean, that's kind of why I've slowed my roll on it. I just haven't used it for the safety aspect for a while. Like I did, I used them, very rarely but occasionally sometimes and i just haven't done it for a while because i'm worried about it's I'm, also just a huge thing to carry around all the time really yeah so i'm worried that some 10 or 11 year old kid is going to see us on youtube mm-hmm. using one of those and get the wrong idea and go out and get himself in an accident be so, popping over a ridge on public land and yeah yeah you yeah. don't want to be doing stuff That's why like that. we really stress a safety thing with decoys, especially turkey decoys, you know, with a big bright head or something and you're fully camoed mm-hmm. and you're slipping through the woods trying to get up close to a gobbler and the other hunters in the woods are trying to do the same exact thing. It's not like deer hunting where you're, you know, you're, you don't have something that realistic that's on your head that mm-hmm. often. Sometimes we do with the heads We were up, sneaking through the woods in but, Colorado last year and somebody had a Jake decoy and we were walking through some timber and I, like i was i think i was walking first and all of a sudden i saw it at like 20 yards and I was, my heart just dropped because i'm because it's like a quarter strut and i'm like mm-hmm. how does this thing not see me but like <laughs> it totally had me fooled for like the first couple seconds at least and yeah, i could most people would just pull up and yeah rip a shot off at it probably yeah <laughs> my wife watches your videos and, and noticed your camo choices and asked why i spent 750 dollars on a new camo setup <laughs> <laughs> That's good. I like that. Um, how many states has everyone killed a bird? We don't know. We don't really keep track of that. I don't. At least I think that's a pretty general blanket statement, mm-hmm. as far as everybody's concerned. I don't keep track much, believe it or not. My <laughs> um, <A> wallet. <laughs> Still trap right there. <laughs> yeah. that, is, that is true. You often leave your wallet in another state. Uh, I'm a bell rung a couple too many times, I think. <laughs> go with that, at least. Uh, tips on getting toms that are hinned up. 
Yeah, that's another question that Tyler Joseph just asked here too. Any tips on calling gobblers that are locked on with hens and won't come in? Patience. Mm -hmm. Revisit them later in the day. Lay with them, Josh mm -hmm. Thrash says. We've really learned that lesson hunting in the South early over the years. It's like some of these turkeys will literally gobble, I mean, less than four or five times in one day. That's from the time they wake up in the morning to the time they go to sleep on the limb again that night mm -hmm. because they have hens nonstop. So most of the time you ain't going to call them in. And all you do if you go bombing in there is you can maybe get eyes on them or hear them strutting, hear them drumming, hear them scratching, hear a hen yelping, and be able to crawl up there and get a shot at them or get ahead of them. We have more success doing that with hen up turkeys than we do calling them in. Yeah, I mean, just like that hunt that we went on this morning with Thrash and Reed, we heard those that bird gobbled twice, and that was it. And we made a big loop and got as basically just got as close as we could to where we thought they were. And then we were going to make a setup. Well, then we ended up spotting turkeys. They were just over the lip down in the bowl and called. Thrash started calling and didn't take very long. And you could hear that gobbler drumming and he was starting to work his way up the ridge to us. But they worked off and they didn't spook or anything. And then we could hear hens down in there. Um, and we probably could have just kept hanging with them as long as we could hear those hens or hear that drumming. We could have kept hanging with them most of the day and maybe pulled them in at some point if, you know, those hens left or something and pull them in or pull the whole group in again at some point. But we had to leave because of school and work. But school. that was. You live and fight another day in there, though. Mm -hmm. It's yeah, a long exactly. season ahead of ahead of you in that spot. And the one, the one good thing with a hinned up turkey, even if it's on public land, is that they ain't gobbling much. So very few other hunters are going to be in there, you know, actively pursuing him. If he's not gobbling a lot, then you may be able to slide back in there at different times during the day mm -hmm. uh, and get in there and kill him. Because mm -hmm. if he loses them for just 10, 20 minutes in the afternoon, boom, that may be all you need. You get mm -hmm. him to answer a couple times and he's in your lap. Yeah. That happened to me and Zach down here years ago. We had a bird that gobbled three times on the limb, and we killed him that night with 10 minutes left illegal. And he did not lose him until 15, 10 minutes left illegal that night. And he gobbled like 20 times in five minutes. He hadn't gobbled that many times all day up to that point. So you just got to be, like Ted said, if you can hang with them until they drop them, then you can kill them. But... Sometimes if you're not right with them and you're backed way off and just trying to locate one, a lot of times by the time you get in position to call him in, he's called them back in and he's went quiet again. Mm -hmm. Yeah, just, or if you're in a place where you can find other turkeys, just, I mean, bounce around until you yeah. find one that doesn't have hens. Oh, yeah, I'm definitely. Growing up in a place where there's a lot of turkeys, I mean, I just bounce around until you can mm -hmm. find one that's just going to come in. But mm -hmm. that's not everybody's situation, I understand. How often do you generally call? That's a hard question to answer. Um, kind of totally depends on the bird and the situation that we're in. Yeah, I mean, if we're trying to find a turkey, we're, got, we're calling all the time. Just calling, calling, calling until you strike something. Um, yeah. If we're just set up. Kind of read the room as far as yeah. if you're calling out a turkey, just don't be 
way more excited than it seems like they are. I bet then there's situations where I don't want to be, I guess, too. Mm -hmm. So I guess that's, it is a hard one to answer. Greg Tickle next mustache for us quick. <laughs> Hang on. Let me just stay in frame. <laughs> Come on. <laughs> Sorry, there was there just a go. comment. Tickle, get on it. Yeah. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> Might have had some flyers coming off, but that might have been a little unnecessary. <laughs> yeah, I got one right here. What time are you most successful? Yeah, That's that a good question. <laughs> it's deep rooted in there. Bringing back a longbird contest. Uh, yeah, we're still measuring them. We got tapes. And got tapes in the M2 over there. We'll measure one if we get one flopping here at some point. Um, what, what was the question I asked right before that? Dang it, I forgot already. When do you kill them most times? Yeah, what time of the day do we kill the most turkeys? Middle of the day or the afternoon, probably. Yeah, 11 to 2, 11 to 3, something like that. That's was my experience. I hadn't done it with y'all before, I'm just saying. <laughs> we don't kill very many of them right off the roost. Yeah, the only one I can really think of that I shot right off the roost was that one in West Virginia last year. That thing came right in with a group of them. But other than that, usually it's not – Later, like later in the spring, yeah. <laughs> not when we're down south. Uh -huh. That's when we kill most of them. Yeah. We don't kill very many <laughs> off the roost down south unless we get right underneath them. Mm -hmm. I mean, if we roost them the night before, we know like a traditional spot where they roost. But we don't get into that. I guess we don't get into that type of scenario very often. Um, that may be why we kill them later in the day because we're we constantly hunt new areas. Mm -hmm. So if you hunt a, if as many of you know that if turkey hunted maybe one location or whatever in your life, once you figure out how to kill them on that spot, you can kill them there pretty regularly moving forward. So long as there's not a, like a giant change in the habitat, you'll learn more and more every year about how to kill them in that location. Like at the farm, when I was a kid, me and dad had no clue how to kill those turkeys. Mm -hmm. And now we kill one in a 20 yard by 20 yard square you every year one you know kind of where they're going yeah. most times yeah we know i mean there's two or three places on the farm where we just consistently kill them year after year and that you can find that on public land too we have in the past where if you can go back to a proven spot you got a real good chance of killing one there mm -hmm. or a proven roost location but maybe that's why we don't kill so many off the roost is because we we're constantly like learning these areas as we go. We try to go to new areas all the time and it takes a number of days to be able to get in position to kill one in some of those situations. Sometimes no, but that seems to be the case. So we're at an hour right now. We got about the peak number of people. Maybe talk about the podcast again. There's a lot of people that just joined that maybe didn't hear us talk about okay. what we're doing live here and what we're going to do going forward. Hey guys, if y'all just joined, um, appreciate y'all watching. We meant to do this live podcast tonight on our new uh, YouTube channel, the Hunting Public Podcast channel that you can see on the screen behind us here. Zach's going to be posting a video podcast to this to this new YouTube channel every Tuesday. And our goal moving forward is to do these live feeds on Thursday night on the new THP podcast channel. So if you haven't subscribed to that one, go to our latest turkey tour video and drop the description down. You'll see the link to that podcast channel, go over there and subscribe. And that's where we will, where we will be doing these live feeds in the future. Yeah. And there's links right now on our Instagram and Facebook that you can click to subscribe to that channel. And we can probably put one in the description of this video after it's we're done here. So 
it's kind of hard to find right now just because it's brand new, but yeah. the Hunting Public Podcast. Uh, guy just asked, Cole just asked, is the M2 vest a limited run or will it be continued to be made and restocked for the future? It will continue to be made um, and restocked. It's continue not a limited American run. made. It is American made. Milwaukee, Wisconsin. Um, <laughs> it will be restocked soon. The, uh, we talked about the M2 on this podcast. If you all just joined and are asking about it, the turkey vest, we talked about it about 30 minutes ago, so you can rewind back and watch that part of it. We don't have to go back through and rehash everything on the vest. Mm -hmm. We um, talked about why it is the price that it is, so yeah, yeah, about that. Lots of questions about the price, and rightfully so. It's the most expensive turkey vest out there. I mean, it's and you don't need a $300 turkey vest to kill turkeys. We, we talked a while ago, you use a fanny pack if you wanted and you'd be fine. You'd kill turkeys. But we talked about all the reasons why we made it and what we're going to do with the profits off of it as well. So go back, rewind, check that out. What do you got? It's not just a turkey vest. That's a good point, Zinger. It is not just a turkey vest. And we did talk about that a while ago that we could He's got tickled over use this thing. Yeah. Well, I mean, you guys wore it all fall. Mm -hmm. I, that's, I like the bird bag for turkey hunting and I'm going to leave that bird bag in there, but I'm going to put that hydration pack on there so that I can use those compression straps and strap my stuff to it. Like you mm -hmm. said, and then wear it probably all fall and you can wear it just right above your saddle. Yep. So, you know what I didn't know all fall hmm. as well as hunting you with you and you're wearing that, that that's what that was. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I was always looking at it and I'm going, you go to the Army Navy store and get that? I've never seen that. <laughs> and Warf had one in Mississippi. And I'm going, where are they? Never seen something like yeah, that. Yeah, they were in North Dakota, and you're stocked up on those three or four bucks. And I'm watching you walk away with it. I was like, it looks like something, you know, you think, you'd be God, issued. And I was pack. like, man, where, <laughs> where can I get it? one? Yeah. Oh, hey, there it is. Right there. <laughs> when you go to a new area, essentially blind, is a water source one of the top things you look for? Brian asked. Yeah, especially for turkeys. Yeah, looking for the permanent creeks. Yep, permanent water. And oftentimes, water sources also have hardwoods nearby, and those areas are most likely least disturbed by farming or timber harvest, whatever. So they have a lot of, like, native timber in them and big timber, like big roosting trees and whatnot. I mean, even out west, when you're dealing with open landscapes, like Rio Grande turkeys, for example, mm -hmm. you're always going to look for riparian areas because there's big cottonwood trees or sycamores or whatever that turkeys can roost in. Yeah. So, yeah, we're always we're always looking for water. That's one thing that we're looking for. That's not necessarily everything we're looking for, but turkeys got to have water. They can't. They won't travel as far as a deer will to get it. Um. What else we got? Favorite state to turkey hunt. Favorite state? I like. I really like Tennessee and Kentucky. Those are a lot of fun. I think big I hardwood hills. I don't think I can pick a favorite. I like so, pretty much everyone we've been to. I think they're all. I mean, I, yeah. I don't think I could pick one. We'll nope. pick two then. Yeah. <laughs> I don't think I can pick this one. one or the next one. <laughs> yeah. What was that question? It was just up there, Greg this from Austin. The next one. Yeah. <laughs> Um, I think it was how do you change your tactics throughout yeah. the season? Austin asked, how do you, how do your hunting tactics change throughout the turkey season? 
I don't, I would say they do change. It's hard for us to kind of put our finger on that, I guess. But why, what are you thinking about? You're grinning over here. <laughs> just laughing because it was just silence. <laughs> Nobody was saying anything. Um, yeah, I don't know. It's pretty much the same the whole time, I feel like. We're just trying not to say really anything change. inappropriate on a live feed, probably. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> no, I don't feel like it really changes usually. Try and go and try and find turkeys and then get in there. And I feel like we, hang if anything, we get more comfortable moving towards <clears> turkeys <throat> just because, like, you haven't heard a turkey gobble in however many months. And it's just mm -hmm. like, oh, how far is it? Yeah. And you get more comfortable sure. with that, just like moving on turkeys. I feel like I do at least. Mm -hmm. I don't know. As it gets later in the season, the foliage gets thicker and the gobblers get lonelier. Mm -hmm. So we may get. I find myself getting maybe more aggressive as the season goes on. Yeah. It's like, if he ain't doing it right, you know, we're going to move and find one that is because there's lonely turkeys right now. It's like mm -hmm. once the hens go down the nest, if you're on a gobbler, he better be gobbling or, or you, he, he better be alone or there's a good chance he'll be alone. This time of year, it's like every single turkey that we've been on the last two mornings has had hens and those birds typically don't gobble as much. So you got to do like what we talked about a while ago. You just have to, if you're trying to kill that turkey and not a lonely two-year-old somewhere else, or maybe that's the only turkey that you found. And that's the situation we find ourselves in all the time, hunting new areas. Like, man, if we find one, we lay in there with them until we get a crack at them. But that's the biggest difference I see is that it's just the turkey behavior that changes. I don't mm -hmm. know how much our tactics really change that much. We're always trying to find them and get them to gobble and whatnot, but definitely gets easier as the season goes on. Maybe your tactics don't change, just your comfort level. Yeah. In the woods. It's yeah. definitely harder. And the, like you said, the woods just changes. It's like right now you're trying not to be seen from 200 yards through the timber, and later in the year you're going to be able to be moving, you know, 80 yards from a bird that can't see it just because there's so much blood. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. And that's one thing we've been talking about a lot this year is like, how early the spring is this year it'll be interesting to see as we go along mm -hmm. how that influences the turkey behavior if it changes you know or whatever mm -hmm. or if it even will be or like greg said there's six inches of snow in south dakota so maybe that won't be the case I, yeah I don't know right. there's snow in it's wisconsin just, right now just warm and green really green here right now yeah. which is not typical mm -hmm. it doesn't seem like no how often you treating your clothes with permethrin i don't know maybe twice a spring yeah okay. that sound about right do that still oh yeah you better do that twice you ain't spring done it already. once in august and september mm -hmm. uh when you're traveling to turkey on how long would you guys give an area before moving on to a different spot i don't know this morning we gave it about 30 seconds before we <laughs> moved on yep that's true I don't know. Kind of depends on the the situation that you're in. If you're in a bunch of turkey habitat in a place where there's, you know, a decent number of turkeys, at least generally, maybe county by county that you're in, and you got access to other stuff, we move around until we find them. A lot. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We don't always moving. Pretty much, I feel like. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I mean, I, I get, I like going in really deep and walking back in there and trying to get away from people, but I almost do that more with deer than turkeys because turkeys got to have so, such specific habitat. And sometimes you can walk the leather off your boots through one of these places. And, oh, sorry, Jake. That's our cue. 
Yeah, there you go. Sometimes you can walk the leather off your boots in these places and think, oh, I'm going to get two or three or four miles back from the road and get on turkeys. But if you're going, if you're going even deeper into a closed canopy forest that has no turkey habitat in it, yeah, you may not find any birds. I've spent a lot of time doing that where you would walk way, way back in there and not find a turkey. And you would spend days and days doing that. But Whereas, the nice thing about doing that and finding them is you're going to be probably on turkeys that nobody else is hunting. That's right. And we do that some too. Mm -hmm. It's like if we got a spot where we pick on the map and it's like, okay, we can go way deep. Like a, we were talking about mm -hmm. that this morning. Like, man, we can get way back in here. And there's a creek bed back in there with some diversity and some fields and stuff. Like that's one that I want to walk back into. Find Even, a gated road that looks like it goes through a bunch of good stuff where you can cover yeah. ground fast. But we, I mean, that's a spot where we're, where we're picking on purpose because the habitat's really far back there. The access is difficult. So it's going to be probably unpressured turkeys, but that's the main thing is just covering as much ground as you can until you find turkeys. And if you can find more than one so that you have other options, because most of these hunts, we may get two, three, four options. And by the time we kill one, 80% of those options are exhausted. We either screwed it up, another hunter screwed it up, uh, the turkey's in a bad spot to kill him and not gobbling much, uh, or another hunter killed him. You know, I mean, that stuff happens all he's the screwball. time. Yeah, or he's screwball. That happens. Yeah. And you got to fight those things for days, day after day after day if you're trying to kill them. So, I don't know, that's a long-winded answer to the question. but Getting a lot of requests for how to do the owl call. Good luck. Like the owl screech? Yeah, owl screech. Like, oh, yeah. Probably just need to do a video <laughs> on it sometime. Yeah. <laughs> Give them yours, actually. I won't be the one doing the video because I did one the other day. Make that like a little it, puberty screech. That owl was going through puberty. <laughs> <laughs> the screech. He kind of did one like that this morning, though. Uh, I don't know how to explain. I tried to explain it to some people at NWTF, and it was just really hard to do. It's like, ah! Yeah, just like that. Yeah. I just started trying. He's doing it after, good. After I started hunting and you were doing it, I just started trying it and trying it. And at first, it didn't sound very good at all. <laughs> and then eventually, I figured it out. But I mean, I'm standing right next to him a lot of times, so I can hear exactly how it sounds. Mm -hmm. And then I just try and mimic it. And eventually, I mean, I think Shane sent him a video on how to do it with a diaphragm call. Yeah, he does. And he actually does good. have a pretty sweet diaphragm call for. Um, how to do an owl screech and coyote owl. James Harrison's got an owl screech call. Like you can actually blow it. It's a, and I think he used to have some of them that he made out of like, it might've been a hawk squealer or a predator call or something. I don't know what it, what exactly it was, but he could make the call sound like an owl screech. He could do it with his natural voice too. He don't need the call, but it's, yeah. When I'm doing it, I'm just pinching my diaphragm down and I mean, same thing you do when you blow a duck call. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, it almost sounds like you're coughing. <laughs> yeah, you're just pinching your vocal cords down in the back. I don't know, maybe some people just can't get that high that high pitch out. Maybe not. I, I don't know if I can. I think my vocal cords are ruined from MCRD San Diego and all that screaming I had to do down there. So <laughs> I think I just I can't. Oh, do it. excuses, huh? <laughs> well, you know, you got to come up with something. I, I don't have an excuse, so. This is getting good. I'm just on with these guys. Yeah, hey, do, hey do that screech. Like all summer sitting at the house, me and Ted would just sit out in the yard. 
Or, <laughs> we'd sit in the garage with the door open before it was a bunk room, and we'd just sit there until like one in the morning, going back and forth with the owls out yeah. in the yard. There's a lot of them out there to practice. Uh, it's fun. Practice the owl call screech. When every time you're alone, it'll come. What Zach Harrison said. I agree. <laughs> I walked out on the back porch of the house in my underwear many nights in the middle of the night and let one rip till I figured it out. <laughs> so, mm -hmm. <laughs> I see you over there laughing, Greg. What did you do? <laughs> you let one rip. I would. I'd walk. I'd walk right, right back out there in the yard and just start owl screaming in the middle of the night, like an idiot. But that's how you learn. I mean, I got made fun of all the time for packing turkey calls in my pocket all through high school. I got bullied and everything. Like, what are you, what are you messing with them turkey calls, nerd? Okay. <laughs> Whatever. Just my thing, I guess. Everybody's different. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So anyway, I think that's where we wrap it up then. Yeah. Wrap it up. We got a video to post. Yeah, we do. It's 8.40. I still got tacos to cook when we get back. Really? I mean, what do you want? What do I you like about this I'm guy? Trying to eat tacos. Got no quit. Oh, it's time to stop that. <laughs> How many multiple bearded turkeys have you each killed? We don't know. I don't think. Multiple bearded no, turkeys? No. I don't know, like three or four, maybe? Um, a couple. Yeah. We got a bunch of other questions here. We're just not going to be able to get to all of them. Yeah. Uh, 42. Join the one next Thursday. Okay. Ask them then. How old is Greg? 42. 42. Okay. That's good. I thought he was saying he's killed 42. <laughs> like, why are you turkeys? <laughs> like, Greg, there's a delay here. I don't know what you're talking incredible. about. 42. Greg got on his computer and figured out how many he's counting We don't really keep track of bearded turkeys. Like Jake said, we don't really keep track of anything. I got a question. You ever killed a turkey with multiple spurs on one leg? I haven't, but I've seen somebody that killed one. I never have. I killed a turkey once that didn't have a spur one. It was a gobbler, too. Got a big full fan, that. came mm -hmm. in gobbling. Didn't have a spur, just like hen's legs. I killed several like that in subsequent years. Like, there must have been a gene in the population yeah. to where it was, I mean, all in the same farm. Yeah. Hmm. Somebody asked who was the better hunter, or who was the best hunter in the group. We get asked that occasionally, but that's... Ted Miller. Yeah, Ted Miller yeah. always gets the crown for that. Yeah, let's wrap it up unless... Actually, Zach, do you have anything you want to talk about? Tell everyone where to go to, for the podcast next week one more time. Okay. There we go. Here's Zach. Yeah, so go to the uh, new channel. We are going to be posting there every Tuesday. If you haven't listened to this yet or haven't heard this yet, we're going to be posting every Tuesday um, a recorded podcast, and then on Thursdays we're going to be doing live. So if you're watching this now on this channel, you're not going to be able to watch it next week on this channel. You're going to have to watch it on our podcast channel. So. Check that out, and yeah, we're appreci we appreciate it. We're excited about it. It's going to be, you know, a lot of fun to be doing video podcasts. It's going to probably be pretty funny. So, all right, I'm out again. And Zach is out. See you, Zinger. Be well. Fair winds and fallen seas. We'll talk at you soon. We'll see you guys soon. We're going to go ahead and post the video from today right here on the channel. Thanks, you guys, for joining us on the live feed. See you next Thursday. Good night, Chesty.